Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of MindBuddyGreen, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at MindBuddyGreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, this is Colleen Wachab, and I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of MindBodyGreen. I'll be your host for today's podcast. Today, I'm excited to have Hannah Brofman on the MindBodyGreen podcast. She's a DJ, entrepreneur, and the author of the new book, Do What Feels Good. Growing up with a mother who was a Reiki healer, Met Hannah was introduced to the world of wellness and healing crystals very early on. At 15 years old, she decided to stop ballet training and focus on team sports. These were the first steps in her journey to body acceptance, a mission she's still very focused on today. We talk about what we can do to bring more diversity into wellness and why she believes colon hydrotherapy is critical to gut health. She also shares her perspective on hydration and why she doesn't drink water during meals. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So food is such a big part of your book. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give us a little bit of insight into how you eat? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I have always kind of had the mindset where I don't like to to subscribe to one way. Um, I'm such a guinea pig and I've tried so many specific types of diets and um, ways of eating that what I've found over the years is really kind of eating whole foods that are good for my body that make me feel good as kind of like when I'm at my best. So the food in the book is really kind of just like things I love to eat on my in my everyday. It's not so much like about entertaining, um, but these are like nest, these are foods that you can make for yourself or your loved one or your family. I mean, there are some great dishes that are sides that you can definitely serve for a dinner party. But, you know, for the most part, things are refined sugar-free, like not that much gluten. A lot of things have a dairy option because I find, I mean, I am dairy-free. I'm not vegan, but I'm dairy-free. And I find that a lot of my friends, it's really hard for them to kind of cut the dairy out. So there's good alternatives um, in the book. Cool. Yeah. What is breakfast typically look like? Um, So I'm not that hungry in the morning. So breakfast for me normally is um, making myself, I'll have like either celery juice first thing in the morning. You're on the celery juice train. Oh yeah, heavy. How does it make you feel? It makes me feel amazing. Wow. Um, Yeah, I'm really into it. It's changed my digestion, my energy, like my skin. It's really, it's like definitely helped me go to the bathroom, like everything. It's like kind of the, it's having a moment right it, now a it, big moment it's having a major moment um so that'll be my first go-to in the morning and then I'll make myself kind of like a hot drink like a hot latte or something whether it's maybe like a, this recipe for like a coffee that's not coffee using dandelion dandelion root nice um which is great or I'll make like a matcha latte with MCT oil or something. And then I try to work out in the morning and then I usually have a smoothie after that. And that's kind of like what I'm consuming in the morning. I love breakfast foods. I just am not that hungry when I wake up. So, but I love pancakes and I love eggs. And I usually eat them at around like one o'clock or something, like for probably on a weekend. And then as you go through the day, what does lunch and dinner look like? And Um, so lunch is usually like a big salad. Um, try to eat like a 
big thing of greens with some vegetables, maybe some a piece of protein in there. Whether do you it's, do salads in the winter too? Um, I do do salads in the winter, but I end up usually putting more root veg, like roasted root vegetables, in the salad, and not such uh, kind of like light and airy foods because I need a little bit more sustenance. So I'll do like maybe like roasted mushrooms and cauliflower with like spinach and. Um, maybe a little bit of chicken or or a piece of fish or something. Okay. And then for dinner, it kind of just like depends on what's like in my fridge, like whether yeah. I'm making um I usually will make like a protein dish and then have like a side of veggies and a salad. Cool. I try to eat as many greens and vegetables as possible and like kind of keep protein to like I don't know, f- 4 to 8 ounces. Okay. Which is like kind of like the size of my palm. Right. Do I think people forget about portions and those types of things? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else showed me like the three finger rule. Like oh. that's actually supposed to be the size of your protein. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hydration is something you talk a lot about. Yes. And kind of your philosophy around when to have water, when not to have water. Mm-hmm. And it seems somewhat Ayurvedic inspired, although you don't necessarily use that language. Mm-hmm. But can you share a little bit about... Not just the quantity of water that you have in the day, but also I think the timing's really interesting. Yeah, so it's funny when I, a lot of people are really interested in this hydration routine that I outline in the book. And it's funny because when I was writing the book, I didn't even really think about it because at this point it's so second nature to me that I didn't even realize that like what I do is very different than what most people do. And so um, I drink about an hour to 45 minutes before and after a meal. So I don't drink and eat at the same time, which is really hard for people to wrap their head around. (laughs) Um, And again, it doesn't happen for every dinner, but generally every day, that's how I consume my water. Obviously, if I'm going out to dinner, you know, and I've ordered a tequila or a glass of wine, I will be consuming that throughout the (laughs) evening and there will be food eaten at the same time. Um, But generally speaking, this is kind of my philosophy and this is kind of the way I've lived over the last six years or so and I again I've I've found that it's helped me with figuring out when I'm hungry versus when I'm thirsty it's helped with my digestion and generally it's I I think it what's really difficult for people to wrap their head around Mm -hmm. is like okay well I'm so thirsty when I'm eating like how can you not like and then it gets so dry but I really believe that if you sit and smell your food properly before you start eating, you're basically what creates saliva in your mouth is that first um, smell with your nose. Right. So then you're creating the saliva, which actually has the enzymes in it that help you digest your food. Therefore, you probably won't need water because of the saliva that you're making in your mouth while eating the food. Like, you know what I mean? Sure. So, Making it more of a sensory experience. Exactly. And it more. It makes perfect sense. Exactly. And it's kind of crazy to think that, like, a meal starts with your nose or the digestive process kind of starts with your nose, but it really does. It takes a little while to get used to, but then I think you'll really see a difference. I know I have, so I'd be interested to see if people are going to go on that journey. Now you mentioned tequila, you mentioned wine. Do you have a philosophy around when and if you do consume alcohol? Um, not really. I mean, uh, there are times of the season where you're obviously drinking way more um, and 
times a season that you're not. Yeah. I try to really not drink during the week and drink on the weekends. But like if I'm going to go out for a cocktail with a girlfriend, I try to like do that maybe once a week during the actual week. Yep. I just try not to overconsume. And I would prefer to drink tequila than drink wine. I actually just feel better the next day um, when drinking tequila than... I am with you. It is the only hard alcohol I can consume. Same. And it seems yeah. to be the alcohol of choice among many functional medicine doctors who yes. walk through these doors. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's very true. Well, you know, it's an upper, which is also very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of good cocktails in the book, actually, with tequila. I'm going to have to check those out. Yes. So it's... You know, so so much easier to maintain a wellness routine when you're in your apartment and you can do meal prep Sunday and get all your food lined up for the week. But I know you travel a ton. You mm-hmm. recently sold your apartment to go traveling for like six months. How do you maintain healthy food habits when you're on the road? What tricks do you have? Um, it's very difficult. And <laughs> it is. You're, I'm constantly packing my own snacks um, and trying to find salads in airports is really difficult. Um, <laughs> but I have found like I sometimes live off of crudite and hummus um but honestly I love traveling through the lens of like a wellness entrepreneur like I'm always seeking out small um, juiceries that I've found or um, amazing restaurants that have you know um, you know an emphasis on local and sustainable I'm always kind of looking at what's on mind body and like seeing what classes are in what cities I'm in whether it's for a DJ gig or an appearance or something like that like I'm always trying to squeeze in a workout because of trying to combat everything I'm doing by sitting on a plane constantly. <laughs> Which um, we know is just horrible for it, our health. It really is, not to mention how the many, radiation. How and much water do you consume on a plane? If you consume two liters in normal life, do you up it when you're on a plane? Um, I Honestly, I don't up it, but I drink at least a liter of water on a plane. Yeah. Um, I try to carry two liters of water, but I usually do that so that I have a liter at the hotel. So you're ready. I find it very difficult. First of all, I want to li- I want to limit my use of pla- of single-use plastic, which is really difficult to do when traveling. Yes. Um and two, I find that hotels make it very difficult to consume the amount of water that you'd like to consume. Yes. And then you're paying for the water. It's like this whole thing. So for me, and I, the other thing, the other travel hack I do is that I go to a grocery store as soon as I land. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I pick up some stuff, some fresh produce and things at a grocery store and bring them. And I always empty out the um, mini fridge and put like my juice or um, if I bought like a pre-made salad or something or something at a cold bar, you know, like I'm always putting it in my mini bar. And then the, I, the housekeeper is always like, what the hell is going on in here? <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry. I just did some rearranging. <laughs> Stocked up in some essentials. Yeah. So body image is something you talk about in your book, and you open with that in one of the opening chapters. Um, Can you tell us about your journey? Sure. Um, I kind of grew up in New York City in the world of dance and ballet, Um, and like there were a lot of pressures that uh, came along with wanting to kind of go down that profession. And there were a lot of things that I wasn't really willing to compromise on or participate in conversations with my peers about bad habits that they were doing. Also, I like just wasn't a girl that could like not 
eat a second helping or skip a meal entirely, which was a lot of the kind of the routines and practices that my fellow, you know, peers and like ballet girls were participating in. Right. And so when I kind of realized that I wasn't going to be a part of those conversations or participate participate in those types of actions I kind of realized that dance wasn't necessarily going to be the community or the the profession that I want that I was going to end and up how old having were you when you had this realization um I was probably about like 15 okay um but you know obviously at that point you'd been doing it since you were four I, I started ballet really when I was like five um, and there were moments, you know, along that 10 year journey, um, certainly where, you know, not only body image, but race and identity were all like came into play. Um, I started out dancing at a place called Alvin Alley sure. here in New York, which was amazing. But like a lot of girls there kind of were like, you know, I was very light skinned compared to a lot of the girls there. And like, you know, girls would say things like you don't have the rhythm or, th- but, you know, little things that would always kind of get under my skin, which I knew wasn't true. And my mom was always such a, you know, a big advocate and voice for me of kind of f- finding my own two feet and standing up for myself and whatnot. And then, you know, Fast forward a few years, I'm like in dance camp and we're dancing seven hours a day and, you know, it was very intense. And again, you know, like side eye was being given if you were getting a second help, Mm. a second portion at lunch or dinner, you know, and I I just kind of realized that this was a really intense world where this was a lot of negative self-image, a lot of negative dialogue with oneself and I had kind of seen through friends around me adults around me cousins sisters like how much people struggle with body image whether they're ballerinas or not right and so I kind of just realized that I was like in an extreme case in in like you know put in an extreme position in this environment and I kind of wanted to get myself out of that, especially because I didn't feel comfortable partaking in these behaviors. So I kind of like around 15, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to be a professional dancer. I'm not going to starve myself. So like, maybe I should go into team sports. And that's kind of where I then, you know, fell into the world of, of active lifestyle in terms of team sports. And it really made a huge difference and impact on me. Like that's where I really found out that I was a great listener, that I was a leader, that I really enjoyed working towards a collective goal and that like those wins were our wins, not right. just my win, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so that was kind of a little bit about the whole identity and body acceptance journey for me. I'm a huge advocate of team sports, especially for girls and women. Yeah. Not just for the formative years, but just the life skills that you get out of it. Absolutely. 90% of uh, female entrepreneurs, I want to say female CEOs, which granted is not a lot, but 90, right. 90, small 90, sample set. But 90% of those women played on team sports. 
I'm not surprised. I mean, it's it's definitely a criteria slash, um, you know, filter here when we see sports on people. It's like, oh, wow, that's such a proxy for someone who's collaborative, who works well with others and all of those. And it's also like results oriented. Yeah, sure. And solution driven. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Type of mentality that does well in any type of team. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So as you retired from dance and ballet and moved towards team sports, how does this desire to be active manifest itself in your day-to-day life now? What do you like to do? How often? Um, so I try to do something active almost every single day. I'm like just, my mom always jokes, like I, I would wake up as a young girl like with just so much energy and it's still the same way. So um, I've, I honestly don't think I would, be like mentally clear if I didn't try to sweat every single day it like gets me I feel like I get backed up and clogged if I don't get a sweat in and that can be anything I mean honestly taking um I don't know taking a Pilates class or a boxing class or just going to the gym going for a run um sometimes I don't have time to do any of these things and I'll just take 15 minutes in my bedroom and I will go through a flow or do some sit-ups and like a wall sit here and there but anything I can do to kind of like get my body moving or you know some days that literally looks like just getting in the bath for 30 minutes and having a sweat in the bath you know what I mean like and de-stressing um so yeah it looks really different for me because every day is just a crazy day Yep. Um, so you're definitely an omnivore in terms of trying everything. Totally. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so diversity and wellness, do you think it's a problem? Absolutely. What can we do about it? Um, spotlight more women of color in the world of wellness. Um, you know, it's it's. I feel very lucky that I've, I've had a platform but also have been given like a bit of a spotlight yep. um, because I find that I am one of the few who has a spotlight on them. I don't find that I'm one of the few women of color in the wellness world. I actually think there's a large community of women of color in the wellness world. Any woman you want to give shout outs to now? Um, There are a few. Erica Cohen, who's, I know, right? Like Swoon. (laughs) Um, Lauren Ash. Yeah. Um, uh, There's a girl uh, whose products I absolutely love. Two girls. Menos Moss is the, the, her, her name's Anya Santana. Amazing. And then there's another girl um, who makes this incredible shea butter, and I'm going to tell you her name right now. Um, of course, my Instagram doesn't want to cooperate with me at the moment. <laughs> um, but those three for sure are on my radar. And then actually, like, the way well, the way I'm able to kind of find these women is really kind of through the magic now of social media you can kind of look to see who those people follow, right? Yep. So I love to look at, like, who Erica's following. Yeah. And same with Lauren and what Black Girls and Elm are following and, you know, H- and who HB Fit is following. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's kind of – I you know, I, I think that there are a lot of women in this community, and all we can do is kind of highlight them and continue to give, like, their voice a little bit more oomph yeah. um, because their voice is definitely powerful, but it's not necessarily reaching as many ears as it can. 
And like, that's what we do at HP Fit. You know what I mean? Even Nancy Twine, who is the fa- founder of Briogeo, like basically what we're trying to do at HP Fit is highlight all the women who are creating companies and are doing the most to help everyone else live their best life, um, especially women of color. And so we always kind of do these kind of couch sessions uh, where I sit down and interview um, and hear the founder story and kind of um, talk about also women in business because we also think that women of color in the world of business is also a very small um, subset of women who are not getting a lot of attention either. So yeah, I think that there's a lot more to be done to kind of create platforms. And, And it's like you said, what can we do? It's like, okay, it's more than just getting some of these women on panels, right? I mean, that's part of it. Sure. But it's also really getting these women's voices out to a diverse group of people or a group of people who are predominantly not as inclusive. Right. Um because I think that's also – it's like kind of how what we talk about the feminist movement and how men need to be included in Absolutely. that conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, like white women need to be in the conversation with women of color around wellness. And it's one of these, like, divided things that have only really become divided in the last, I'd say, like, seven years when, like, the media has really kind of created the bougie of wellness. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much more work – you know, as leaders in the wellness space, we have to do in terms of helping to make this movement more inclusive, whether it's um, incorporating more women of color, it's still very much a coastal conversation. Right. I mean, sure. I'm thrilled that 92% of our audience is outside of New York and LA, but mm-hmm. I think most people still think wellness is something that transpires on the coast and, you know, that it's only women of a certain economic means that can, can afford it. So there's like tons of work to do. Absolutely. And I, you know, I talk about this a lot, like wellness to me is not about eating organic food and going to boutique workout classes. Like <laughs> wellness to me is really about those in between moments about how you're talking to yourself, how you're engaging in a positive conversation with, with yourself. How are you taking care of yourself mentally every single day? Are you taking five minutes to do a breathing exercise? Are you meditating at all? Like, are you taking a second to check in and like say something or write something down that you want to get off your chest that you feel? Because I think for for me, I, I go through my day so quickly all the time. And, you know, sometimes I forget to check in. And if I know me who prioritizes wellness forgets to right. check in that a majority <laughs> right, that a majority of women are walking around every single day forgetting to check in with themselves yeah. because we're very busy taking care of everyone else sure. and getting our jobs done and making sure there's food on the table etc so really taking a moment to check in and even like you know taking three minutes to give yourself a foot massage while you're in the shower right you know these small moments these small in-between moments I think really they 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 amount to something a large shift in your overall psyche and the whole thing of self-care to me is really so that we can be better mothers friends lovers community members because when we are showing ourselves the best version of us we are showing up that way for other people as well for sure so you're clearly very busy 
you travel a ton, you're DJing, you're doing tons of other stuff. How do you balance stress and find those moments of calm for you? What are those tips that you do? Um, definitely breathing exercises. I have like a breathing routine that I practice every single night and every morning. Um, and sometimes, honestly, it's taking 10 deep breaths. I breathe in for five counts, hold for five counts, breathe out for five counts and hold at the bottom for five counts. And I do that 10 times in a row. Sometimes by I'm not even at the 10th breath and I've already fallen asleep. (laughs) Um, and in the morning it's just a very, what time do you go to bed? Um, it depends. But I like to be in bed around like eleven fifteen, okay, um, and hopefully like asleep by eleven thirty. <laughs> and I do that in the morning. And sometimes if I'm having a frustrating day, I do that in the middle of my day when like stress comes at me, and I'll just take a second to like breathe through it because I find that when I relax my nervous system, I have a better perspective and can like work through something. And I'm not really react. I'm not reacting anymore. I'm kind of like just thinking positively and like I don't know dealing with the task at hand and from a different place than I would have been and then also like my hour of working out no matter where it is in my day if it's 7 p.m or it's like my lunch break at one or whatever that hour that I kind of prioritize for myself is a big uh a big chunk of my day that allows me to like really kind of do something for me Cool. Now you talk a lot about colon hydrotherapy in the book. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you incorporate it into your life and what effect it's had on you. Sure. Um, Learning about my colon and the way it affects our entire body has like definitely changed the way I even thought about my body in general. And it's like kind of started my down like this whole world of like self-love and like my that whole journey kind of started um, when learning about my gut and kind of how um, important my gut was to my overall health. I think something like 98% of diseases are started yeah. in our gut. Your second brain. Um, and a lot of would argue that's your first. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so the gut is really important to me in learning all about my microbiome and just the good bacteria versus the bad bacteria. And I was someone who took a lot of antibiotics when dealing with my skin and that led to leaky gut which I then had to like spent a year kind of fixing that Um, and so a lot of people also forget like that this journey is a long road and right it is a journey it really is and it's not there aren't any quick fixes and it really takes consistency and like a lot of dedication so yeah so the gut and I try to eat gut friendly foods and eat things that I know um, don't give me a crazy reaction like when you get super bloated from foods it's because it's having a bad reaction in your gut and it's like causing inflammation and and is that why you're not doing dairy I actually not because of my gut I actually see dairy in my skin literally the next day interesting yeah I've had facialists come to me being like if I get a treatment, did you have dairy yesterday? Yeah, literally. <laughs> it shows up. It really does show up for me. Um, it doesn't so much give me a stomach ache, although I am into- I'm not intolerant. I'm I'm I have a sensitivity. Yep. Um as most people do. <laughs> as most people do. And I also have a sensitivity with gluten, but if I'm going to an amazing place in like in Paris, I'm gonna eat the bread. Like exactly. You know what I mean? And, and for me that's also kind of when you asking earlier, like how do I eat? And it's like I don't restrict myself, but I try and I try to eat clean at home because I love to eat whatever a culture eats. Right. And so I'm not going to Paris to like 
find like the raw food place you know I'm going I've tried that and it's not a good idea you should eat the croissant yeah you should eat the croissant you should eat the escargot like whatever like I'm living my life and I like I love the way other cultures eat that's what I like that's what I live for and I that's love, why you travel yeah exactly so at home I try to keep it clean and you know a lot of vegetables and good healthy fats and then I'm not that restrictive with myself when I travel if I'm traveling for work it's different if yeah. I'm traveling for work and I have to be you know on and DJing and showing up for places like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed <laughs> you know that I'm really trying to stay on my shit because what I do requires a lot of outward energy right and I don't have time to be hangry <laughs> Or in a bad mood because I didn't sleep well. You right. know what I mean? That's just, I don't, those aren't. And can you sleep well when you're on the road traveling? I can. That's good. Yeah, I've kind of trained myself. <laughs> I can sleep on a plane. Whoa. Yeah, and I can, I've like. Even little, a red eye? Yep. I have tips on what how to. What a talent. To, I know, I have tips on how to like figure out how to beat jet lag, um, which takes discipline. Like you cannot nap if you're going to Europe. You have to stay up until at least midnight. There's some very um, strict rules around the light you're allowed in, I hear. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> haven't tried that, but. I have not done the protocol. Yeah. No, but like the no napping thing is really, it's really hard because sometimes like if I land at seven in the morning and or yeah, seven in the morning Paris time and I have a gig that night at 8 p.m., like, there's no nap in the afternoon. Are you just pounding tea? Because I know you're not a huge coffee fan. I'll drink coffee when in Europe, but I will <laughs> pound tea and a ton of water, and I'll keep myself busy. I'll make sure that I have, like, meetings or whatever. Like, if I'm going back to my hotel room, there's, like, you can't even chance it. Nice. So I know you're also a fan of one of my favorite ancient modalities, acupuncture. Love acupuncture. Tell me how it fits into your life. Um, I go to my acupuncturist once a week and I see her for just about everything, whether it's like a ache in my neck to, uh, you know, feeling bloated or, you know, a wrinkle in my forehead to overall just like wanting to feel grounded, um, getting like my energy back together, especially like right now, for instance, being on like a full like press tour with my book it's been incredible but it's also been so much of other people's energy training um yeah put it putting on me which is amazing like the stories I'm hearing are absolutely life-changing but it's also it's also a lot so how do I maintain my own energy while still taking in others and it's just like what are the things I can be doing and so acupuncture is one of the things that really helps me kind of stay grounded stay in myself connect my mind body and soul and like allows me to like really kind of be present and feel really good about it yeah I found it just life-changing across the board Mm -hmm, totally (laughs) and plus anytime I can fall asleep for an hour in New York City it's oh my god yeah I don't even really think I'm sleeping like I really feel like I'm like floating yeah I'm also someone who is very susceptible to energy my mom was a Reiki healer um, growing up so I've always been aware of your mom was a Reiki healer growing up she was very ahead of her time oh yeah well she raised us vegetarian (laughs) right everything she's like I 
I've I told this story before, but she loves to like tape crystals to her chakras and like she'll literally be in the house and like the doorbell will ring and she'll just answer the door with crystals taped to her chakras. I love it. So I've, I've been very aware of my own energy as a young girl, like a young girl. And I used to do some Reiki training when I was really young. Um, so I, I always feel like as soon as like three needles are in me, I'm like, I feel my chi. It's like all around me. So I love it. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, you know, Instagram before, and it can be this magical place to discover inspiring women and lots of other things. But you know, I'm also very aware of the impact of technology and social media. And there's some you know, scary reports out there about its impact on girls, um, whether it's spending too much time on it or affecting self-esteem and all Mm -hmm. that. How do you balance all that? Um, It is crazy how Instagram can be such a negative place for a lot of people. I I just want to say, I can't imagine being a teenager. Oh my gosh. In 2019. My sister, I have two, I have three teenagers in my life who are my sisters and brothers who, you like, I mean, it's just insane. Junior high was hard enough. Right? I know. So um, the tips that I always say, especially to them, um, my like my siblings, is, you know, we have unfollow buttons. We have delete buttons. We have block buttons. And I suggest you use them. You know, when people leave mean comments or say something that's um, out of place, it's usually because someone's projecting their own negative feelings onto you and I think that we have those tools there for a reason and I suggest like you use them how do I deal with it personally I've created a really positive community that doesn't necessarily leave a lot of like negative comments occasionally there will be things that come up but now what I do I honestly delete a negative comment because I see the way it makes my followers react it like starts a chain because people kind of want to come to a defense almost that it that I find it starts to breed a little bit of this like reactionary kind of comment negative stuff so I like to delete something before I know it's gonna like cause like a ruckus yeah but sometimes I also just don't care yeah and I just I just you know what I mean like sometimes like I'll just block someone or whatever like it just I don't really have time for the negative to like affect me and I always like to say in the beginning when I had a lot of kind of haters or you know when I was kind of just exploring this world and sharing it on Instagram people were like why are you doing this This isn't what you do like you're a DJ you know what I mean yeah and I always say like they were just it was fuel to my fire just to like say I can do whatever I want and I don't need to be put in a box right and I've always kind of had that mentality whether it was in high school or what so I always say like shine on your haters (laughs) show your haters love and do you struggle with creating boundaries between maybe like waking up and turning on your phone and, and scrolling or looking or is that something that comes naturally to you? Um, it honestly comes naturally to me. Like sometimes there will be a day where I haven't even looked at Instagram and sometimes there'll be a day where I'm like, oh, sh-, like I'm like catching up on everyone and I've been posting all the things I was supposed to post and whatever. Yeah. And I also find it I it's second nature to me at this point. 
also like what I'm sharing versus what I'm not sharing. Right. It doesn't even occur to people, I think, that I'm not sharing things. <laughs> Because they just feel like they're with me all the time. But, like, yeah. there's so much I don't share, but they don't even notice, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> the world goes on. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of amazing. So what wellness trends are you the most excited about right now? Um, I'm actually very excited about the world of recovery. Ooh, that I, was one of our wellness trends oh, of really? 2019. Oh, <laughs> look at that. On the same page. Yeah, I really do think that they're, they're, we're going to be seeing a lot more um, recovery therapies kind of come to Any a, that you use in your life right now? Um, I mean, I love like my Theragun or my Hyper. Oh, you have one of those? Yeah, okay, cool. I do. I love <laughs> that. And I travel with like lacrosse balls. Cool. Um, do you do I've, any foam rolling? I do foam. I mean, it's so painful, but yes, I do foam rolling. Um, I actually have been meaning to want, I really want to try a power dot. I don't know what that is. It's basically like something, it's basically like an, uh, kind of like an electric shock that you can send to a specific muscle group. Kind of like how, like, have you ever done dry needling? I have not. So dry needling is kind of like, uh, I don't want to say illegal form of acupuncture, but it's like not <laughs> widely practiced. And they kind of, and they can also like set it up to a little shocker and shock your um, muscle to release it. It's just like an interesting way of kind of releasing specific muscle groups. And the power dot is this tool that you can kind of do that with. It's very interesting. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, what about supplements? Do you take any supplements these days? I do take supplements, yeah. Um, I kind of switch up my supplements. Yep. Um, but right now, I'm taking probiotics. Cool. Um, and I am taking magnesium at night. And that's kind of it. I mean, I will, I mean, I guess I take MCT oil, which is a supplement um, for your brain. Sure. I put that in like my like little latte every morning. Um, and then I sometimes take digestive enzymes when I'm traveling. But other than that, I kind of try, try to keep it pretty simple. And what about CBD and hemp? Are you doing anything in that world? Yeah, I mean, I love I love that world. I love <laughs> that that is finally coming to the forefront of wellness. And it's going to be in every single product that, you know, it's kind of one of those things where uh, some people are doing it really well and some people are not. And I think, you know, for instance, like the way CBD needs to be formed to be pen penetrate your skin is actually in the form of nano CBD. And not a lot of like, just because it's a heavier mo molecule, mm -hmm. so it has a harder time penetrating. And a lot of people don't necessarily know that. So when they're putting CBD in their product and they're not using a nano form of CBD, is it really working? Hmm. Like, no. <laughs> so I, I, and this is what I love about an, a wellness trend is I love seeing how it can influence and infiltrate media wise. And then there's like an influx in brands, but really only a few will end up rising to the top right. and really being a standout product. And that's kind of like what I love about this world of wellness is that there's a new trend, there's a new it ingredient every year, and it just doesn't stop. Right. I don't see it stopping anytime soon. No. What about your beauty routine? What can you share along those lines? Um, my beauty routine. I mean, there's so much. I do the most, for sure. Um, but why would you want to do the least? You know what I mean? <laughs> I have so many friends who do the least, and now they're like, 
my skin looks crazy. <laughs> like, I need help. <laughs> I'm like, see, you were doing the least well, for so long. So much of it to me, too, falls into a self-care bucket where it's like Absolutely. putting this mask on feels really good. Stop Absolutely. Hopping into the bath with the mask on. I mean, for me, I've been really into facial tools like ah. Guasa. Yes. And like, that's like a 10-minute commitment. <laughs> and that's like, you know, 10 minutes that you're massaging. Assuming you know what you're doing. That's yeah. like a 10-minute commitment. Totally. And like, you're massaging your face for 10 minutes. Like, that's 10 minutes that like you're really me too that you're really taking to like for yourself to like really like work over because it's intentional as well it's not just about like the way you're moving it you know so that's kind of been my biggest thing about my beauty routine is incorporating some of these facial tools I feel like that's where I'm really seeing the most of difference outside of just like regular product yeah and do you have any um treatments that you swear by that you you know get at salons or other places or I mean I'm really into facial acupuncture nice I think that that is like a really amazing preventative way of having to avoid Botox and fillers and age gracefully and naturally cool yeah um what are you excited about when you wake up every day Honestly, right now, I'm just so excited that so many people are having an amazing reaction to my book. Honestly, <laughs> I, like the stories that I've been hearing from people and just seeing how people are genuinely excited to like have it in their hands. Like, I don't think I ever could have imagined this and it's very surreal and it's really wonderful. Like waking up every morning to messages and like photos I mean and even just seeing my friends text me photos of recipes they're making and stuff I mean it's so fulfilling I need to make some of those tonics it is very very um make taking my tonic game up like five notches I love it (laughs) and then on the flip side I know you go to bed really easily which I'm a a little jealous of (laughs) with your breath work and your magnesium but what keeps you up at night what are you worried about um, honestly, what keeps me up at night is really just uh, scheduling. I'm always <laughs> like, it's crazy, but I'm like always on my calendar right before I go to bed. I'm just going over constantly. Like I, I live and die by my calendar. And, and do you manage it yourself? No. Um, that's why when people are inputting things, I always make sure that I, I mean, I know that it's there, right? but I need to like memorize it. And so I'm, I literally met, like, I, I, like, if you were to say to me, like, what day of the week is February 11th, like, I would tell you right now it's a Monday <laughs> and what I'm doing. Like, so that's, we'll do that after. that's literally what keeps me up at night is, is my scheduling, um, which is crazy, but that's literally. And what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, to just trust your gut because everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Agreed. Yay. (laughs) 